2022. What a year in games. And honestly, the last few years, I think it's all just getting stronger and stronger. But here we are again, fifth year in a row that I'm making this type of video and I can comfortably say, the industry keeps getting stronger. Uh, whether it's the AAA space, I think there's games reinventing that space at the moment and it goes without saying that indies are constantly doing that anyway. 2022 was a huge year for me because I had a baby, my first baby ever, Bally Jr. came into the world. Hugely time consuming, but you know, still amazing and managing to play games alongside looking after a baby, it's, it's tough, but somehow I've managed to do it this year. I'm very happy with this list. Uh, Oli Oli World, you can see here is probably a number 11, maybe a number 12. I had a blast with this game, going back and forth with MBZ with our high scores and I love a leaderboard challenge with MBZ. We've, we've done this before and you know, there's something so ruthless about just going after your friend's high score. And you know, I had to throw in the towel, you know, MBZ won, he, he beat my score and I think both our scores are pretty high up a specific level within Oli Oli World. But you don't want to hear about Oli Oli World. You want to hear about my top 10 games of 2022. So let's get to it. Number 10, Splatoon 3. Nintendo have their limits. They can only produce so much of what I would call Nintendo video game juice each year. You know, that unique game design that makes many Nintendo games so special. In recent years, Nintendo have injected their magic juice into games like Luigi's Mansion 3 and Metroid Dread, two games dripping with fantastic Nintendo game design. This year, many will see Kirby as top Nintendo juice video game of the year, and sure, Kirby is great, but let me tell you about Splatoon 3's single player campaign. It's just got bags of innovation and fresh feeling takes on what was getting to be a repetitive formula in previous Splatoon single player campaigns. These levels don't just mix up weapons and enemies, but actually change up how you use each weapon and how that impacts the level around you. Throw in some bombastic bosses and a final encounter that had me grinning from ear to ear. And all I can say is yes, give me that great Nintendo juice. Loved it. Oh, and by the way, Splatoon multiplayer is still great and I should really get back to playing more Splatoon 3. Number nine, Live Alive. I was a sucker for Square Enix's, and it pains me to say this horrible phrase, HD2D look back when Octopath Traveler came out. With Live Alive, it was awesome to see a game that never came to the West get that same visual treatment. Where some JRPGs are guilty of overstaying their welcome and having very slow progression, Live Alive's switch up of characters and settings for the first seven chapters keeps the formula feeling incredibly fresh. There's definitely some slower stuff later in the game, but the fantastic plot twist of the eighth chapter really left me impressed with what was looking to be a tropey story turned into something pretty special. Playing seven completely diverse characters from seven very different worlds was a nice way of showcasing some of the beautiful visuals of the game. This really was a very nice surprise to play this year as someone who had no idea what Live Alive even was at the start of 2022. Number eight, Tinykin. I love 3D platforming and discovery, and quite honestly, not enough games do it. Tinykin gives you big massive areas to go out and just explore. There's no enemies to worry about or anything to slow down the pace. In fact, stuff like the soap bar to surf on and your trusty bubble to glide around just speed up your traversal of these vast spaces. The Tinykin themselves are a nice addition to what the game is going for. The Pikmin idea of getting all your minions to get you to the next location or blow up some wall to another area is all there. 
While many of the Tinykin's abilities feel very similar to certain types of Pikmin, shoutouts need to go to the green Tinykin that give you instant verticality to then hop off from and glide to new areas. It's super simple but reinforces the fast-paced exploration-focused joy of what this game is going for. It's incredible to see the scope of what indies can achieve in a genre that needs more fresh takes like Tinykin. If, like me, you can't wait for 3D Mario to come around every 60 years, then you owe it to yourself to play this gem. Number 7. God of War Ragnarok Ragnarok was an incredible journey this November. New characters, new realms, impeccable pacing and new ways of mixing up the action made the game constantly feel fresh. Considering it's 32 hours long, that actually is quite a feat in 2022. The journey really felt like certain characters were going to play a larger role than they ended up playing and narratively I definitely felt a little let down by how some of the threads were resolved. While the destination didn't stick the landing for me, Ragnarok deserves credit for improving mechanically on the 2018 outing. I never got sick of the combat and the variety in boss fights really felt fresh compared to 2018's Troll Mania. Sony are still proving that they are leading the way in cinematic storytelling in games, and Ragnarok is another arrow in their quiver of what is already an incredibly impressive lineup. As bold as 2018 was, I think God of War definitely is due another big change with a new direction, and Ragnarok proves that Sony Santa Monica have the expertise to reach even higher highs. Number 6. Cuphead, the delicious last course. Well, it certainly was delicious. I don't care that this was only DLC, if this were released as a standalone game, people would be shouting from the rooftops about it in goatee lists, so I'm going to damn well include it right here. This game gave me six or so more Cuphead bosses with immaculate detail and design. That's all this DLC really had to do. But no, they went further. The chess piece battles focused around the parry mechanic were a welcome surprise that really elevated the DLC in my mind as doing something truly special. This 6-8 hours of enduring platform boss fighting reminded me how important Cuphead is to our medium and why putting a fresh coat of visually delectable paint on an old video game genre is so valuable and reminds me why I love gaming. Good clean platforming boss fighting fun. Loved it. Number 5. Citizen Sleeper Special TNL bonus points always go to games that can get their message across in ways that only video games can achieve. Citizen Sleeper is the perfect example for this in 2022. Take a harsh and brutal cyberpunk world based on a space station where each day has the potential to bankrupt or even kill you. Forming relationships with people to help you get out of the situation you find yourself in is a tough path with difficult decisions to make you realise that most of these people are in an equally tough environment where capitalism has been left to completely run riot across society. And to increase the stress, almost all of your outcomes in this game are dictated by the dice you roll at the start of each day. Using low dice rolls to accomplish tasks comes with its own risks. Sure, I can use this too to try and make some more money with this industrial job, but if I hurt myself, I'm just going to be spending days to come trying to recover. It's a stressful situation to find yourself as the player in. I found myself letting down a character early on in the game who had helped me financially get through those first few hours. Honestly, it made me feel awful when I couldn't fulfill his questline. I'm not normally hugely into games with a ton of reading, but Citizen Sleeper keeping me hooked to doing little butt reading for 14 hours speaks to how strong the writing and this game is overall. You really don't want to miss this one.
Number 4, Elden Ring. God, Elden Ring is so good. It is honestly a crime I haven't played more of this game by this point. Right now, I'm currently sitting at about 25 hours played. In an alternate chain of events, it is quite possible that this game would be sitting at the very top of this list, but for now, I'm going to go with sticking it at number 4. Sadly, I'll have to beat this game in 2023. I was so busy with having a child earlier this year and playing Horizon Forbidden West, then a slew of other games came out, it really has taken me time to get into Elden Ring. Not to mention that Elden Ring is one of the most, if not the most, intimidating game that I have ever played. Elden Ring is proving to me that it is as brutal as it is beautiful. Yeah sure, I might have spent two hours trying to beat Margie, but I don't care, it was really fun. And what's so great about Elden Ring is I constantly have options on where to go next to get stronger. Discover Ashes of War, discover more weapons, Spirit Ashes and a million other collectibles that I have no idea what they even do. Exploring the early areas of Elden Ring has been a joy in open world discovery that I haven't felt since Breath of the Wild. It's an obvious comparison to make but it's such a valid one. By not hand-holding the player around the next corner, Elden Ring is masterful in breadcrumbing you as the player to investigate hunches about a certain tower or tree that you might see in the distance. Sure, sometimes it's too obtuse, but when it does click, the satisfaction is unparalleled. When reviews dropped back in March, I had my hands full with a newborn Bally Jr. and honestly couldn't fully understand the hype. Those reviewers weren't lying though, Elden Ring is a true masterpiece. So far, at least. Number 3, Overwatch 2. Well, someone's got to have Overwatch 2 on their goatee list, right? I played a decent chunk of Overwatch when it came to Switch in 2019, but definitely hadn't fully satisfied that itch, and I knew fine well that the second game was going to be right round the corner. Overwatch 2 honestly doesn't change that much, but the difference for me was that now I was playing on the Series X instead of my 2017 Switch. It might be a formula from 2016, but Overwatch is still incredibly good, and I'm just late to the party. If you know my tastes, you'll know I'm not much of a shooter guy. The fact that Overwatch has me mixing up characters, learning their strategies, watching YouTube videos non-stop to try and get better with characters like my boy Winston, it's probably no surprise that I pumped 70 hours into this game this year. And it's characters like Winston that sum up why I love Overwatch so much. I don't need to be good at shooting and aiming, but if I can get good at jumping into the right zone at the right time and going after those squishy characters on the opposing team with my auto-aiming magnet gun, then I can wreak havoc and rack up just as many eliminations as some of the sharper shooters out there. I can't argue that Overwatch 2 is deserving of the 2 in its name, but to be honest, if I'd played 70 hours of Overwatch 1 this year, it still might have had to be on this list. Number 2, Horizon Forbidden West Forbidden West completely hooked me for 80 hours. Now yes, most of that gameplay time was in between caring for Bally Jr. earlier this year, so perhaps that makes the whole experience a more positive one in my head, but I stand by Forbidden West as doing something special. This game is the pinnacle in traditional open world game design. I actually cared about different tribes and exploring their lands, doing their side quests and gaining more collectibles. This in turn then made me stronger. Combined with a vast and intriguing skill tree, I was completely into Forbidden West game loop in a way that I wasn't at all with the first game. I also think the story goes to bonkers places that I managed to avoid spoilers on throughout. 
Where plot was the biggest strength of the first game, Forbidden West reinvents the stakes and puts Aloy on a path trying to piece together what is going on. With a final act that trumped Ragnarok's storytelling and cinematics this year, I couldn't be happier with the resolutions reached and where Aloy is going next. It also needs to be said that where I found Zero Dawn's world to be unimaginative and often quite dull, Forbidden West's world is a huge step up. Levels of verticality and more interestingly designed environments combined with new forms of traversal all made the gameplay experience so much stronger. It has to be said that it's been a tough ride for Forbidden West in the year where Elden Ring has come along, but I still have a soft spot for more traditional open world game design and quite honestly, Forbidden West is the best of the bunch. Number 1. Tunic Occasionally games come along that reinvent their genre and set a new benchmark. Tunic is that game for 2D Zelda likes. Strip out all the secrets and puzzles and Tunic is still a pretty strong one of those, but when you breadcrumb so many secrets and incredible reveals throughout such a tight and well-crafted world, it honestly took my worldview of what 2D Zelda could be to another level. And if the world design and main game wasn't enough for you, three words sum up what makes Tunic truly special. The Golden Path. Now I'm not going to spoil what this is or how to do it, but earlier this year with MBZ by my side over Skype and WhatsApp, he managed to get me on the right lines to complete what is the best puzzle I've ever seen in a video game. Tunic holds the idea of discovery so close to its heart and forces you as the player to experiment and stop and think. Tunic's manual is so intricately and immaculately designed that it entices you to keep going back to see what more you can work out by looking through its pages. While Tunic is a single player game, the manual feels like a gossiping reddit thread, careful not to give spoilers while dropping constant hints as what to do and where to go next. It's not handholdy and means that when you do work things out it feels earned and not handed to you on a plate. I've never had so many aha moments in a video game. Tunic is so much more than a cute fox cosplaying Link, and in reality, that fox has done more for the 2D Zelda genre than Link has done in the last two decades. Step it up Nintendo. And there you have it, my top 10 games of 2022. Escape Academy, you can see here, it's that's another game that didn't quite make it, but God, I had a great time with that game. Playing co-op with MBZ online, that was a really, really good time and a really nice surprise uh, this year. Uh, and I should say, like, thank you to all the podcast listeners again for this year. It's been great, like, all the comments and reviews and interactions you've had with us on Discord and, you know, the community that we're building there and having a listenership. It, it's It's been really great. And I should also give a big shout out to MBZ for being a very patient host uh, this year, especially with me having Bally Jr., you know, him managing to shuffle recording schedules, make sure the podcast gets out. And he even granted me a six-week podcast paternity leave uh, so it was great to get some guests on for that period as well and a big thank you has to go to my family if it wasn't for caroline i honestly wouldn't be able to take part in this podcast because she looks after Bally jr most weekend mornings while i'm recording the show with mbz so a huge thanks to her and a big thank you to Bally jr himself because the fact that he is such a good sleeping baby is the only reason I've been able to play so many video games this year. And that's even even though there were a few last minute cancelled game sessions along the way, 
a huge shout out needs to go to him. And you know what? 2023 is looking absolutely stacked for great games, whether it's Nintendo games, non-Tendo games, indies, AAA, it's, it's looking big. Um, personal hype is probably four tiers of the kingdom, that probably goes without saying, but there's a whole lot of other great games to come that I look forward to playing in 2023. And I think I'm, that's going to wrap it up. I really hope that you and your loved ones are having a lovely festive season, and I really want to wish everyone out there a happy new year when it comes.